Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com. You wake up. You can't sleep. It's 3am. You cannot escape one single thought. You have an unyielding urge to fulfil your coaching destiny. You get out a pen and make a plan. You're listening to Sport Deck Speaks. I'm Dave O'Grady. Gareth Morgan, are you ready for this? Ready to make a plan, Dave. Oh, let's make a plan. Remember, if you want to download Sport Deck, you can do so by simply going to sportdeck.com. We've got the best live scores, stats, the latest news and betting all in one place. You can get us on the App Store and we're available for Android as well. In the addition to the galaxy of world stars who have recently opted to take their talents to China, the booming competition has also attracted some of the biggest names in management. Luis Philippe Scolari, Manuel Pellegrini, and Andrea Villas-Boas among them. But last year, a British PE teacher and former soldier found himself joining that trend and rubbing shoulders with some of the giants of the world game as part of the coaching team at Shanghai Zhenjing. Matt Ward was the man in question and we're fortunate enough to have him on the line right now. Matt, thanks a million for joining us. Yours is an incredible story and we understand that it started with a bit of an epiphany you experienced while playing FIFA one night. Do tell. <laughs> it is quite a, a unique story, that's for sure, especially when you mention all the names as you, as you have done, and then uh, there's me. Uh, basically, I, I was working as a, a PE teacher in, in Taipei, uh, where I live now. And, uh, yeah, I, I was playing FIFA, happy in my job, but I was missing something in, uh, career-wise. And uh, I'd fallen out of love with the game for... Uh, a few years now from, from England. Uh, my grandparents just passed away and I just had this feeling of, oh, where, where's life going to lead? Where, where are we meant to go from here? As I'm playing on FIFA, I'm enjoying a, a gin or tonic and two. And uh, I thought I need to get back into the game. This is something I'm really passionate about, deep down. And I need to stop hiding away. I need to get out and do it. That evening, I took it upon myself. I, I, I wrote down some memos. I wrote down uh, a 10-year path uh, of goals and aims, what I want to achieve in the 10 years. And uh, I made the promise next day I, I would start searching for clubs. And I woke up the next day, and that, that's what I did. It's kind of reminding me of the scene from Jerry Maguire the movie where he <laughs> he seizes that one night his conscience is Adam and he ends up taking writing down all his thoughts on papers taking to taking it to a printer shop in the middle of the night and I think he, in, he entitled it the things we think and do not say and he said he it, it's one night that comes along once in a million and he seized it and it sounds like Matt you seized that too and I think the people at EA Sports will be delighted to hear that their FIFA game has inspired you to into doing what you did. How difficult, um, how much detail did you put into that plan you wrote up that night? It was, yeah, just like Jerry Maguire, it was, it was quite detailed. And the main thing I was focusing on was do not wake up the next day and chicken out. You've got to, you've got to follow this through now. Do not back out. Uh, 
so my, my main emphasis was keeping that thought in my head. And I, I went through detail from day one being the next day. And then, like I said, up until uh, 10 years time where, where I, I would like to be. So uh, everything's quite uh, strategically planned out for now anyway. You do hear of managers and not just people in football, people in business as well. They seem to get a lot of these ideas late, deep into the night, and they tend to take them down on their phone. But I think that point you made, Matt, is very, you know, it's it's a point that can be put across all walks of life. Don't go to bed and, and chicken out the next day. Was that Absolutely. is that something to do with the, your own character or is it just a, a once off that you actually took that risk? I believe previously uh, the reason why I, I well, didn't give up on football but just was very pessimistic was being, you know, not thinking there's a, a chance for me out there, thinking there's too many professionals in the game, they're going to go into coaching, maybe I'll start it too late. Uh, and I, I, that evening I just really wanted to continue the, the, the strong moment I was having. And it, it, it kind of just to switch uh, it, it focused on my sights on my ambition uh, and I, I just tunneled it and looking back as I do sometimes I look back at my aims and goals to see where I am and it, it makes me get the same feeling of strength again to, to continue whether it be a good day or bad day so jotting down aims and goals just like you mentioned mm. uh, in, in most businesses and walks of life it, it certainly helped uh, me get some uh, focus so I'm presuming, Matt, at that stage that you, you already had some coaching qualifications and, and you then uh, took that in, into the, the local game there in, in Taipei, as, as far as I understand from what I've read of your story. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah, that's correct. I had uh, my level two, so like a C license from the English FA uh, before. Uh, but all, all my work was mainly fitness coaching. I'm a qualified fitness coach as well. So interacting with people, working in a team and, and kind of leading people was one of my or is one of my main skills. Uh, so I had like a, a good basis of, of sport and, uh, and, and, and leading personnel. Right. So you, you start coaching locally and then I just want to sort of plot your course then because obviously it goes off on some, uh, some very interesting tangents. So where did you go from, from the local scene? If you could just tell us kind of how things panned out from there. Okay, so from from the uh, the day one when I started contacting local clubs uh, around Taipei, uh, uh, a club got back to me. Uh, Rob, he's a half German, half Polish uh, coach out here, and uh, I went along to training. and And from that day, uh, both of us would just work together constantly to uh, in, improve the club, uh, Royal Blues Taipei. Uh, at the time, they was playing in kind of the second tier. Uh, of Taipei uh, and, and within the three years we worked together we, we brought the club up into the, uh, the top tier league uh, we professionalised the club as much as we could uh, on, on the budget available uh, up to the point where the national team Chinese Taipei uh, was inviting us to play friendlies against them Right, blimey. Okay, so yes yeah, some, wow. some, yeah, some, some rapid progress yeah, there Yeah, a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a <laughs> yeah bit of a turnaround yeah ab absolutely and and so what did that then then lead into uh from from there um early on in, in my third season with the club i got a call from uh, the head coach in loyola Miracle sparks uh, in the philippines uh simon mcmenemy uh, another british coach 
he asked if I was interested in, in coming along and joining him to be his assistant uh, at uh, Moralco. And for me, I found that to be my next step up or a, a jump up from the, the Taiwan uh, football leagues. And uh, yeah, so that's when I moved on to the Philippines for six months. Uh, very, again, very, very good for my learning, for my development, working with a, a high caliber of player. That's not to disrespect the players I've already worked with, but it was another step up in the football, in the personnel, in the coaching uh, and the league overall. Uh, I got to work with some uh, very, very good players. Uh, the young husband brothers, uh, who was at Chelsea. Uh, then there's uh, Taj Minikon, who is a uh, champion, Asian Champions League winner with Western Sydney Wanderers. That's right, yeah. So, again, a great step up for myself and, and a, a good chance to, to learn football in Asia, but also better myself as a coach as well. And did you find, Matt, those two different countries, obviously different cultures involved? I mean, you're, you're talking Taiwan and the Philippines. And how different was that for you as, as a coach and your experiences? Did you find a big difference between, say, Taiwan and Philippines, uh, a world apart from what you were probably used to back home? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do have their differences. Uh, but in, in the football sense, I was very fortunate in a lot of the players, if not all, uh, could communicate in English. Uh, so in Taiwan, we had uh, a mainly foreign teams. There's no foreigner rule here. And then in the Philippines, you have a lot of uh, mixed Filipino and European players. Uh, so you, I've, I've been lucky enough to be surrounded kind of the, the European mentality of, of the dressing room, of how you prepare for matches, you know, the banter, what goes on behind the scene. Uh, but for sure, living-wise, it is a world apart from, we can say, the, uh, the, the British leagues, and you may have to just adjust how you handle certain players as well. As you mentioned, different uh, cultural aspects. They've, they've had different upbringings. So it's definitely uh, a great learning curve uh, for myself in, in man management, especially mm. just with different individuals and how to get the best out of them. So from the Philippines, what happened next? After six months in the Philippines, uh, I was just getting on with my with my job and I, I was at home visiting my wife uh, for a couple of days and it was around 2am in the morning and I got a call from uh, Gary White, uh, the, the ex-manager of Guam, National Team Bahamas and of course my gaffer at uh, Shanghai. Uh, and I thought, well, uh, it must be urgent because he's calling me at 2am in the morning. I, I know he's he's got a Chinese wife and he lives in China but it was pretty late on so I, I uh, frantically took the call uh, and it basically just said you want to come over and uh, be my assistant uh, in, in the Chinese League One at, at Shanghai well at first he didn't tell the he didn't tell me the club at the beginning so I was left hanging a little bit but I, I trusted him <laughs> so uh, it, it didn't take me that long to make up my mind uh, I don't even think I made up my mind I just went along with it and, uh, yeah, I was on my way uh, from China uh, from, from that evening, basically. And, uh, again, I already knew the, the background of the league even before Oscar went over there and Hulk. I'd already been a follower of the Chinese league. I knew that there were some good foreigners playing there already. And it was, an, it was another step up for me, player-wise, team-wise, uh, quality of league. And, uh, yeah, they're very fortunate to be uh, given that opportunity, for sure. 
Yeah, from the article about yourself on the setpieces.com, Matt, it sounded as if uh, the club that you went to were kind of the un- or, you know the underdogs were sort of punching above their weight slightly in terms of resources uh, in that second tier of Chinese football. What were the kind of challenges you faced when, when you first went there? Well, the, uh, the, the strangest thing is they had just got relegated from the Super League the season before. So in, they were meant to be the, one of the favourites to, to go back up, to get promoted again, uh, back-to-back seasons. But uh, it, it was totally the opposite way around, and we ended up joining the club uh, in a relegation battle. So not only are you joining a really, really tough league with tough environment in, in China, but you join in a, a relegation battle, uh, which, which most would certainly shy away from. Uh, so we, we turned up. Uh, you've got to learn all, all of the players. It takes some time to get to know the players' names, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, you, you've got reserve teams, youth teams. You've got the leftover players, what were from the reserves or from the first team, from the previous staff. And uh, maybe they shouldn't be in the first team. They should be in the reserves and vice versa. Uh, you have staff there, which might not want to stay on and work for the, uh, the staff, what Gary had just brought in, in uh, himself. Uh, and we had to basically hit the ground running. Uh, there, there's an unsaid rule in Asia, but it's in many contracts that if you lose three games in a row, then you can be fired, basically. <laughs> wow. So anyone, <laughs> yeah, wow. Anyone joining uh, mid-season, you have, you've got to hit the ground running and there's no excuses. This, didn't, this wasn't helped by the fact that our first seven matches, six of them were away. Uh, and, and, and I can imagine the distance you're probably traveling is, uh, fair, you know, when, when they say away, they mean away. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the furthest uh, we could have traveled, but we'd already played this away game, fortunately, was seven hours. Uh, and, and if you go to Inner Mongolia, at Nay Mongol, that's about a four or five hour flight. So, yeah, that's a proper, a proper away game. So wow. to have six away matches out of seven, and our very first uh, match in charge was against the league leaders, so we didn't <laughs> we didn't have a we didn't have a welcoming start. Uh, put it that way. What but kind the, of the club itself? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, what kind of respite do does your team get in a situation like that? Because I can't imagine it would be good for the home team getting a, a team that's constantly jet lagged getting off the plane. But is there a, a suitable rest period by the, by to to cater for that traveling exhaustion? I mean, it's, you, you hear uh, locals hearing that uh, premiership players come back from a European tie uh, a few hours and they're tired and people say, oh, how can it be tired? They're traveling in, in, in luxury. Uh, mm. But you, you, it does take its toll, uh, even as a, a coach, let alone as a, as a player. And if it's a Saturday, you get back a day earlier and you might have another game on a Saturday or if you're lucky next Sunday. But if it's a Sunday game, it cuts a day off your your. Uh, recovery time so everything's moved back a day and then you might be traveling away again which means you have to set off for the airport a day before again mm. so it does it does change depending if you're playing saturday and sunday and how far you have to travel not to mention if if the, the airlines uh stop the flight for some reason if there's a storm and then it's delayed and that there are things that crop up last minute which you have to deal with but they're, they're out of your control 
Yeah, it's really remarkable and it's something we don't usually think of here in Europe. I know there is complaints about, you know, Premier League clubs are complaining always about having the long journey. Well, Arsenal flew to Norwich, didn't they, a couple of seasons ago? I think they, I think they were in, they, in, that, the, air, in the air for 22 minutes. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, incredible. Just looking at, at Chinese football, and we've seen, you know, the main league in China, it's kind of gone off the scale, Matt, in terms of the money and its clubs have been spending over the last few months, big names coming in. But what will the impact be upon the development of Chinese players, do you think? We've had a couple of people on the show in recent weeks and, you know, the word on the street is that the reason why all the money is coming to Chinese is because the Chinese want to develop a, a super team in football. But in terms of all these big expenditures, all this big money going on foreign players, how much of a benefit do you think that is to the game in China and to the development of these players, the, the locals? It, this is a, a very talked about uh, subject at the minute, and I'm sure it, it will continue for, for maybe a, a few more years. And what, what I believe, in, in my opinion, they're trying to do is to attract Big name players, and I'm talking bigger names. They had Anelka before, uh, Didier Drogba, but super names now. Because what they're trying to do is build that uh, culture of football. Now, you need a culture of football to have the, the, world, uh, the country's interest uh, altogether. Otherwise, it's going to fall down. Now, you could look at it and say they're spending all this money from top to bottom. If you look at it like this, all the money they're spending, the salary, the, the transfer fees, that is true. But what they're trying to do uh, in, in that respect is to attract supporters. Necessarily, they're not supporting the team, but they're supporting the superstars what are playing for that team. Now, what people are also missing is uh, the funding that they're putting into grassroots now in China. Now, for 2017, I believe the Chinese government are, are doubling the funding, which is already in the hundreds of millions uh, uh, to start with. Now, if they can somehow cement them both together from top to bottom, bottom to top, the next few years, if they play it right, they, they could well you know, end up achieving what they set out to do. But what they now really need to concentrate on is to bring the grassroots higher and higher and closer into the academies. Work on the youth academies, because that's where they can miss out sometimes as well. So they need to get the parents of the kids interested. They need to get the parents' friends and the friends of the friends interested. Fill the stadiums. They need to be caring about if their friend's son is playing or somebody they know is playing and build that culture of football, which at the minute they, have, they don't have and they haven't had uh, and, and probably follow the same route as, as Japan and, and South Korea have. So do you think, having lived there, obviously and spent time there, Matt, is there the potential to build that culture? Could could that culture develop there realistically? Yeah, I, I think anything China puts their mind to, they, they could build or, or develop. It's whether they can manage it. They've got the resources to do so. They've got the, the people power to do so. Uh, and it just needs to be managed. And hopefully it's not just a, a, a fad and they don't get bored of it but I can't see that they will because the owners out there are passionate they're very wealthy but they're very passionate and yeah they, they do want to be better than their neighbour or the next club or they want to prove who's got the best players who, who's got the, the, the best team the most valuable team but at the same time 
they are very proud of what they're building and they do want to develop the teams, the country, as well as the Chinese government developing the national team. Now, I can see there being a bit of a, uh, uh, not, not a battle, but between national and clubs already, as, as you would have heard, they've changed the foreigner ruling uh, quite. Yeah. Uh, well, at the time it wasn't great. And uh, little things like that, if they can work together and iron these things out and work together as club and country, uh, they, they can, yeah, the next five or six years will show whether they, they can become this superpower in football or not. It's interesting as well, Matt. They seem to have, if I've read this correctly, there's a, a blanket ban on foreign goalkeepers uh, playing. in wow. the, in the I, I mean, I might have that wrong, that, but it's, uh, it seems... No, that's, seems, that's correct. That's seems correct. A little, All the goalkeepers are, are Chinese. There are no foreign goalkeepers in any of the leagues. It seems a little um, bit random, doesn't it? Um, not quite sure why that would be. <laughs> Considering they're spending all this money on, on big foreign strikers, etc. But the, the reason being, I, from, and this isn't uh, showing any, any disrespect to, to the Chinese goalkeepers. I, I work with two and three very, very good ones. But you can, you can imagine, I can imagine just bringing in the best goalkeepers from Europe. And in this, in this way, there's no Chinese goalkeeper which is going to improve to the standards mm. needed for the national team. Yeah. So, for sure, yeah, they put a stop on goalkeepers in the hope that they will keep a good level. But now you've got the problem of most of the attacking players are foreigners. Yeah. So, are we going to see a, a slight slump in, in the skill level or ability of Chinese strikers? But then that, on the offset, that <laughs> helps the Chinese defenders improve the game because they're marking some of the best strikers or who were the best strikers in the world. So, every, everything is kind of double, double-ended. Mm. Yeah, they could grind their way to a tournament victory by the sound of it. By just uh, yeah, just not letting any. Uh, you any, never know. That's it. Having a fantastic defence, but uh, I just wanted to briefly get back to to Gary White, the man that you worked with uh, at Shenzhen. There, quite a character from what I've read. You know, still only forty two. He's worked in the states, the British Virgin Islands, the Bahamas, and obviously Guam and, and China, as we've as we've touched on. Was he something of a, a kindred spirit for you, Matt? Did uh, did you find that uh, you really hit it off with him? Yeah, for me, the the first time I, I met him uh, was in in Taiwan. Actually, when he was over uh, in Taiwan with his Guam national team for an upcoming tournament, and he is one of them people who you meet immediately and they make you feel comfortable, and you feel like you want to keep talking to them. Uh, and that's the same effect he has on his players as well. He makes the players want to play for him. And this is, I don't care what anyone says, whether it be tactics or, or uh, football qualifications, coaching courses under your belt, you need that skill to make the players or have the players wanting to give their all for you. Because without that, it doesn't matter what name you are, it doesn't matter how many pro licenses you have, the players will not go through a wall for you. And when they need to dig deep, when you need points in the bag so you don't lose three games in a row and lose your job, you need these players to do that. And man management-wise, Gary, Gary's up there with the best. Uh, on, on the back end of that, uh, you may have saw he was shortlisted for the under-21 England job as well. And we, we know he, he's against some of the, the biggest names in football, uh, ex-professionals. But for me, you've got to look at the experience of making teams better, national teams, international teams in international tournaments, 
and you've got to then refer that back to the, the job he was shortlisted for. And I, might, I may be biased, but, you know, we uh, coaches need this skill set. They need to be able to make players want to play and not only develop players, but make players enjoy playing football again. It's not just about the money all the time. It's one of the best jobs in the world if you can get it. And then Gary's got that ability to do this to players and staff. Well, I suppose what's even more remarkable, Matt, is that he's got these excellent man management skills when he's dealing with players that he might have to be communicating you know, with via an interpreter mm. or, or, or certainly, yeah. certainly players that come from you know, very different cultures from his own, which I guess is, is a, you know, another feather in his cap. Absolutely. And when, it, when any manager, whether it be football or in the business world, when you talk about communicating with people, it's not just about talking, it's about showing interest because we're all humans. We all want to feel loved. And there's different ways of communicating uh, without actually speaking. And it, for me, it's just one of the major skills that a coach or manager needs in football. And, and sometimes with the, I'm, I'm all for the young, new wave coaches. I'm hopefully going to be one of them myself. But I just feel there's a bit, of, a bit too much roboticness. They, they've done the courses and there's not much feeling what goes into the coaching. And I mean, just from, from China, I believe if you go to China and you can be quite successful in, in a harsh environment, uh, you, you have proof there that it is a lot to do with man management and getting the players to play for you. Yeah, I don't think anybody will disagree with that. Um, as well, reputation will also stead you in good fast and it'll be interesting to see actually where Gary White will end up next as you said he's been linked with a couple of moves there and a vast amount of experience particularly get getting the best out of players that as you said he might not be able to communicate with directly for yourself Matt uh, on a personal level you're back in Taiwan now what sort of challenges are you looking for on the next stage of your coaching journey? Uh, for me now, my last two clubs, I've been uh, assistant coach and uh, I, I've got a desire uh, to be to be the, the main guy, to be the manager or, or head coach. And, uh, you know, I was joint head coach in, in Taipei with the Royal Blues uh, team and that's something I want to get back on track to. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be in any rush, but at the same time, there is a danger of becoming known as an assistant. Yeah, you could be uh, pigeon pigeonholed in that situation, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think I, I want to get out there and, and maybe learn from my own mistakes at, uh, at a higher league and, uh, and, and take, it, take it from there. I mean, from, from what I've seen, some of the best training you're going to get now is on the job. Uh, and, and, yeah, that, that's going to be my route, I believe. Could you see yourself coming back to England if the right opportunity emerged? Absolutely. Uh, for starters, though, uh, it won't be in the near future because most of my coaching qualifications are Australian. Right. So I'm on the Australian pathway, but I would love to come back to England someday because just for the, the footballing culture, whether it be non-league, whether it be uh, League Two, uh, League One Championship, because you, you can't beat that feeling when Saturday comes around and all the results are coming in and, and just being immersed in, in, in our footballing culture uh, in England. But it, it as I've read and as I've researched, it becomes harder and harder as you stay away from the game in, in Europe to, to then get a foot back in. People say you need experience of the English game and, and they're not always welcoming back uh, British coaches from abroad. 
Yeah, we've spoken to a couple of British mm. coaches recently on this show and they're doing very well around Europe and further afield and I think they'd echo those sentiments. Uh, Matt, it's been terrific having you on the programme this week. Thanks a million. We wish you the very best of luck in getting to where you want to go and no doubt it will happen uh, as you seem to be a very hard worker and you know, you're know you're going in the right direction. Thanks a million. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Well, Gareth, what do you think about that? Quite inspirational. And I love seeing British managers and coaches and, you know, footballers as well, plying their trade elsewhere, abroad, in Asia and places like that, and really taking a risk. Oh, absolutely. As uh, as Matt said there, he, you know, he had to move several times, having already moved out to, to the Far East to start with and broadening his coaching perspective. And it's uh, it's fantastic to hear these stories, as you say, of of the, the UK and Irish managers who have taken that risk, taken the gamble and gone overseas to, to further their chosen careers. It really was. And uh, I thought your point about the Jerry Maguire moment was spot on. Oh, I love that movie. It's not all about show me the money. No, or you had me at hello, which no. I secretly think might be your preferred line. In that no, my, my preferred line is about that night where he seeks out the... He, a night like this doesn't come along too often. I seized it. And, you know, a lot of British managers should be having more of those nights and seizing the opportunity. Yeah, and, and it will definitely benefit the English game. The more international experience... Uh, you know these managers can get and then hopefully bring that into the English game and who knows England might even uh, prosper an international tournament (laughs) oh you always love to get a little dig in there is there a danger though that as Matt says you might not have the reputation then so in terms of being considered for a job if you do want to come back home to England you might not be considered for a job because oh what's he's been oh he's been you know going around the world but we we haven't been following his progress only football superior football people like us have been following his progress so yeah there's definitely an element of that sort of snobbery absolutely there is and as somebody like Matt who wasn't a high profile player either you've got to contend with that there tends to be a, still a little bit of I think or, or a fair amount of jobs for the boys if you've been a former pro, you've already got your foot in the door kind of thing. But you just have to hope that uh, that there are more progressive, far-sighted chairmen around uh, the English pyramid system these days and, and that uh, one of those will you know, decide to give you that opportunity. And you, from your experience in Australia now, you've ha- you, got, you have China there and Australia, but we heard the Philippines maybe mentioned, and I know we had... Um, we, we, we covered a bit of K-League football recently on the show. What league, apart from China, obviously, do you think will develop and we will be talking about again? Well, it do have potential in, in, in a lot of those those countries. Uh, the interest, as uh, we were talking off air to Matt about, in the Philippines, there are players who are icons there yeah. that uh, perhaps wouldn't be you know, familiar names to, to most football fans. Yeah, you were in saying about one player, one player off air that he actually is bigger than David Beckham. It's like Elvis has entered the building. Yeah, it goes by the fantastic name of Phil Young Husband. Wow. Which, uh, you perhaps, Phil uh, Young Husband. Yeah, there's two of them. There's another Young Husband. Is he married? So, <laughs> <laughs> there's another Young Husband brother as well. And uh, one of them was on the, on the books with, with Chelsea a few years ago. And uh, he is literally Beckham-esque. 
Um, Perth Glory, I know, went there on a pre-season tour and someone who was on that tour said they were almost barricaded into their hotel ahead of one game that they played because Phil Young's husband was playing for the opposition team, obviously. And uh, yeah, literally thousands of fans just besieging the hotel. So, you know, there is that level of, of devotion to the sport. Indonesia, I know there's been talk of uh, of them as a bit of a coming force in world football and uh, Thailand the same. So, yeah, it's it's a growth area, that's for sure. Gareth, I think your next article for Sport Deck should be titled Forget David Beckham, it's all about Phil Young husband. Well, it could be. It could certainly be a catchy... Uh, catchy headline and again as we discussed uh, with Matt off air he is quite the heartthrob he doesn't mind getting his shirt off either so we yeah. could have a catch-all appeal that kind of article if we if you've sourced the right pictures <laughs> you were telling me that when because obviously you do a lot of work with, still with the Perth with Perth Glory and you do work for their match program and you were doing some research before and you were looking through images and all you seen was a shirtless a shirtless player and and the you know the the wife was looking and <laughs> couldn't believe what you were looking at yeah it was one of those yeah yeah <laughs> research in inverted commas moments yeah I think she thought I might be perhaps moonlighting for a different kind of magazine altogether <laughs> because there were just a series of images of uh, a very uh, um, well sculpted upper male torso some of uh, some of which slightly oiled so yeah those were the kind of shots that Phil Young husband uh, has uh, available in the public domain we very much in yeah, the public domain they might yeah. come back to haunt him in a good way you never know quite possibly you never know right well we're I'm afraid we're out of time here on Sport Deck Speaks our thanks to Matt Ward for joining us in what has been a fascinating discussion remember to download the Sport Deck app for the best scores stats latest news and betting we've got it all in one place we're available on the App Store and you can get us on Android as well. If you go to sportdeck.com, you'll get the links to download us there. We'll be back at the same time next week from Gareth Morgan and myself, Dave O'Grady. We'll chat to you soon. Take care. Download the Sport Deck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news in betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com.